For those of you who are panicking a little bit, I am not the guest speaker this morning. <laughs> I just get to introduce him. <laughs> uh, my name is Skylar Harper, and, and uh, I get to introduce my really good friend, uh, Pastor Bat Bennett, who's going to uh, speak to us this morning. For those of you who've only been here for less than five years, you may not know who he is. And he uh, was our pastor from uh, 2000 to, through 2016. Um, in his time here, he helped lead the start of Homestead and True. He helped uh, with the leadership of getting 11 Jesus films uh, that our church uh, sponsored. Those are 11 um, uh, different people groups that now have heard the story of Jesus through the book of Luke in their own language. And that came out through our church and through Pat's leadership. During uh, Pat's time here, we've sent out seven missionaries, families, and ind individuals from our group, and we also provided half of their financial support when they, came, when they went out of our church. He has ministered in Zambia, Ecuador, Kenya, India, Nigeria, the uh, Hasapa Indian Reservation, and other parts of the United States. And I've learned a lot from Pat over the years, uh, more Greek than I can remember, um, more Legos than I can comprehend. Looks like we get to hear a little bit of that today, too. Um, I learned to grow so I could go, and uh, I learned that I'm a blessing. Uh, I am blessed to be a blessing. Um, Pat was not only my pastor and mentor, but he's a good friend. In 2012, uh, we lost our son in a car accident, and I called Pat, and he came right over. He... Uh, took us to Junction City Hospital where we could be with our daughter-in-law and uh, he really did support us in our darkest hour. He really does care for people and I'm ever in, indebted to him for that. In his retirement, uh, he uh, still teaches, hunts, and I imagine he does Legos with the kids still. Um, so would you welcome Pastor Pat? I thank you for those wonderful and larger-than-life words, Skyler. Uh, one one not-so-minor correction. <clears throat> I got on board with the idea of the homestead. Deb and her cadre are the people who made it happen. And it's still happening, isn't it? Yeah, that's what I say. Well, I got to find my stuff. Um, uh, you know, I, when I was younger, I wondered why old people walk funny. <laughs> now I know. <laughs> Pastor Brian has been talking to you about the Ten Commandments. I tell you, when he invited me to come and pinch hit, come out of retirement and pinch hit for him, I thought, good grief of all the passages to choose, a whole bunch of don'ts? Don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't do that. But when I looked into it, it actually became kind of fun. This message today, you could just wrap it up in two words. Don't steal. And I could sit down and have it be done, but that's not what you're paying for, is it? <laughs> just kidding. Did you know that there's a little bit of pirate in each one of us? 
Yeah, thank you for that. You even have a boat to go along with it. Or at least you did. Don't know if you're still sailing. There is a little bit of pirate in all of us. And if I was the captain of a pirate ship, well, let me ask first, how many of you imagineered with Legos at some point in your life? Raise your hand. I did not say play. That's what children do. Children play with Legos. Adults imagineer. <laughs> Part of the reason why Barb and I are moving from Kansas to South Carolina in phases is because I got a lot of Legos to get rid of. <laughs> and I've been doing that for like eight months already, selling them online. And here's a few of the things that are left. If I was the captain of a pirate ship, I would name my pirate ship Lo Tignob. Yeah, isn't that a cool name? <laughs> it's Hebrew for don't steal. Yeah, that's the original Hebrew for not steal. We turn it into don't steal, but it's actually not steal. We all know what stealing is. Let me take a chance here. Anybody here who doesn't know what stealing is? Okay, end of message, right? You all know what it is. My first theft was a pack of gum from the nearby grocery store. My mom made me take the remains of the pack back to the store and confess to the person at the register that I took it. I was probably six or seven. My second theft was $5 that I pinched from my mom's purse. Third one was I took $13 from my brother Tim. I got caught for all of those. And who knows what else has happened between now and then. I don't think I've stolen much. <laughs> I mean, stealing is a dynamic thing. You don't have to actually grab something that belongs to somebody else to be guilty of stealing. There's a lot of different ways to steal, and I'm sure you all know what all of those are. It's kind of exhilarating to steal, but it's shameful to get caught, and it's humiliating to make amends, to actually go back to the person you took from and make it right. It's a good thing to teach your kids. I think I learned that. What I did not look forward to, having, having grown up as Roman Catholic, my mom made me go to confession. You have to, if you're Catholic, you go to confession. In those days, you went to confession Saturday morning so that you could receive communion Sunday morning. Well, I went to confession for all of those, and I'm not sure if I confessed or not. I hope so. But it's pretty tough to do that. It made me wonder over the years why people steal. In fact, what comes to mind right now is we spent 12 years in Africa, and one of the coolest proverbs, it's not cool because of what it means, but it's cool because it's true. And the Bemba people, one of the 70 people groups in the country of Zambia, have this proverb that says, theft is of the hand. And for the longest time, I thought, well, yeah, theft is taking things by hand that belong to somebody else. That's not what it means for them. It means to, when they say theft is of the hand, it means it's theft only if you get caught. Is that true? No, theft is theft. But you know in our world that if you don't get caught stealing something, you might get away with it, especially if what you steal, you share with friends and family. Nobody's going to say anything. 
one of the first weird experiences we had in Africa was we saw a young man steal something and somebody yelled thief and everybody around beat him almost to death. They wouldn't have done that if he wasn't caught. But it's very, it's very socially acceptable to beat somebody who's stolen something if they get caught and turn a blind eye if they don't get caught. You know, that's kind of true here too, isn't it? Well, I got caught every time. <laughs> well, people who know a whole lot more about how the human brain works say we steal because we think we need something. We steal out of jealousy, peer pressure, low self-esteem, thrill, challenge. The list can go on. Kleptomania, feeling excluded, prove your independence, act out against others, entitlement. You could add to the list why people take things that don't belong to them. God says in Proverbs chapter 30, verse 9, he says this, and I paraphrase, stealing dishonors God. And that raises in my mind, what does honor God? If stealing dishonors him, what does honor him? Is God honored by not stealing? Possibly, or maybe this is getting at something else. Another reason people think the Ten Commandments are prohibitions or spoil sports, negatives, taking the fun out. You know, a lot of people think the Ten Commandments take the fun out of your life. Every command of God, the Ten Commandments and everything else is actually to preserve life. It's good for life. There's nothing God says don't do that you should be doing. The reason why people don't like the Ten Commandments is because of the way they're worded. Nine out of ten of them use the Hebrew negative lo, don't, or not. So you read don't, 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 and you're going to get the impression that, yeah, that's what life's about, not doing something. Well, that's actually not true. I think it's interesting that in the English language, the expression don't steal, don't lie, don't kill don't is made up of two words contracted into one do not so inherent in the whole thing when you're when you're told don't do something it's do not that but what god's really getting at is do the opposite of that what's the opposite of don't lie Tell the truth. And it makes me wonder why in the world the writer of the Ten Commandments, Moses, put them in negative words. The reason why he put, he could have said, be content. He could have said, tell the truth. He could have said, he could have made all those commandments positives, but instead he made them negatives. Why negatives? Because people were doing the wrong thing. Why do you tell your child to not put his or her hand on the hot stove? Just because you don't want their hand on the hot stove? No, that's not the reason why you're saying that. You want their hand to be healthy and functional. That's what you want. Don't implies do. So whenever God tells us don't do something, on the other side of that, there's a do, but you got to look for it. In fact, God's intention with the Ten Commandments is expressed negatively for two reasons. One of them is... The people are actually breaking common sense. And secondly, God's real intention is that they do the opposite. 
when he says, have no other gods before me, beside me, instead of me, what's he saying? Have me alone as your God. The Bible presents many ships. I know you're wondering how in the world this works, but I told you that there's, there's a little pirate in all of us, and the Bible has many ships. Some of them you're familiar with. The suffix ship on a word Get ready for this. It means condition, character, office, or skill. Worship. You know what that one is. Fellowship. Discipleship. Sonship. Those are all really good churchy words, and they work, and we understand them. Maybe you haven't heard these others. Maybe you have. Seamanship. Comradeship. Friendship. Kinship. Statesmanship. Clerkship. Horsemanship. Scholarship. Workmanship. This morning, I want us to consider three other ships in relationship to the command not to steal. You know, if all you do is think about not steal, not steal, not, what, what happens when you're, when you're on a diet and you think, don't eat this, don't eat this, don't eat this, don't eat this, what happens? That's what you eat! <laughs> you obsess. Don'ts create the appetite that you want to overcome. Three ships. The first one is citizenship. Philippians 3.20 says, Our citizenship is in heaven. The point it's making is, Christ followers belong to two worlds. You belong to the earthly world, which is physical and earthly. But you also belong to another world, the kingdom of heaven. The earthly world will pass away, and so will you. But the heavenly kingdom is eternal and lasts a long time and has a lot of people there already. In fact, the Apostle Peter in several places and some other Bible writers tell us that we are strangers and aliens just passing through. We don't belong here. That's one of the reasons why you've heard this over and over. You're probably sick of hearing it. When people ask me, how are you? I say, I'm better Really? Have you been sick? No. Better than what? Better than yesterday? Better and better and better? No. With every passing day, no matter how I look or act, I'm better because I'm one day closer to glory. If you're a Christ follower, you're going there. And it's going to be a long, good time and this earthly life is a training ground, a preparation for that eternal life. We have citizenship in this world, and we need to be responsible with it. But we have also another citizenship, and that is in the kingdom of heaven, and it trumps any earthly citizenship. The second ship we have is ownership. Did you know that everything we have is a gift from God? Everything you have earned, everything you possess, everything you've acquired, everything you've taken, custodianship is a gift from God. God created everything. It all belongs to him. Always has, always will. You believe that? There's a part of us that doesn't want to believe it because we worked hard for what we have. We've earned what we have. I deserve to have the fruit of my labor. Who are you to tell me I need to give any of it to anybody else if I don't want to? 
That's in us all. And that comes from the fallen nature. Genesis 1 makes it very clear that humanity, male and female, was given responsibility for all the earth, what's in it, on it, under it, over it. Yet that responsibility is under God's authority. He owns it. We don't. And we never will. Isn't that interesting? Which leads us to the third ship, and that's stewardship. Not a lot of people use that word. In fact, can you get what's a steward? What's a steward on a ship? We don't think. It's, it's a kind of a servant. And what a steward, biblically, stewardship is a man or a woman taking care of somebody else's stuff as if it's their own, but knowing it's not. They're taking care of it on behalf of the owner. Jesus tries to teach us about stewardship in many places in the Gospels. You've heard the stories about certain stewards or servants who were given charge of certain amounts of material possession, and the owner was expecting some kind of good treatment of those goods. He expected the steward to start with a certain amount of money and end up with more. That's what a steward does. A steward has charge of temporarily what belongs to somebody else, and they're accountable to that somebody else for how they discharge their duty. Some of Jesus' followers learned that, some didn't. The people who were good stewards were praised by him. The people who were poor stewards got harsh words, really harsh words. Job, has Pastor Brian preached on Job yet? Since he's gone, ask him to preach on Job. It's like 40 Jihungas passages of suffering. <laughs> and how do you pull out of that good stuff? He might be able to do it in like a three-week series instead of 40. I have never preached through Job. I've used pieces, and I'm doing that now. Job, the long-suffering servant of God, in his first chapter says this, Naked I came from my mother's womb. Is that true? Babies aren't born clothed, are they? Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. Is that true? Over the last few weeks, my wife and I traveled to South Carolina, to California, and back to celebrate with my family the passing of my dad, who lived 101 years. That's amazing, isn't it? You know how he went? Naked. He took nothing with him. Nor will you nor will I. Everything you have stays here. So why do we attach ourselves to the stuff here at the expense of the reality there? <clears throat> Hebrews 13.5 puts these two thoughts together. It says, don't steal, be content. Really, why do, you, why do you juxtapose those two? Don't steal, be content. Is it saying indirectly, if not out loud, stealing happens because we're discontent? One of the most beautiful passages in Scripture, which is unfortunately misquoted and misused far too many times, is the Apostle Paul speaking in Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 to 13. Here's what he says, some of the most profound words a Christ follower can ever embrace. And even those outside of Christ would do well to embrace this truth. 
He says, I've learned to be content. Whatever the circumstances, I know what it is to be in need. Read his story, you will see. Shipwrecked, imprisoned. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I know what it is to have nothing in the cupboard, and I know what it is to have more than the house can hold. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Why would this passage say in any and every situation? One of those words would have been enough. Any situation covers everything. Every situation suggests specific situations. And I will tell you, if you're like me, and I think you are in this regard, there are certain specific areas of discontent unique to you. You might be married to somebody who doesn't struggle with the discontent that you have, or vice versa. The enemy knows the areas in which we're most likely to be discontent, and he will exploit those mercilessly. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or living in want. Here's the bottom line for that passage. It's the part that's misquoted and misused. In fact, it's used to acquire things that a person doesn't have because they're discontent. Here's what it says. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. I can't tell you how many times I've seen that professionally lettered somewhere, either on a plaque or on a wall or on a screen. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. It does not mean I can do all things through him who gives me strength. In context, it means through him who gives me strength, I can be content with nothing. Conversely, I can be content with everything. Lord, wouldn't it be awesome if you gave me everything and I could find out if I can really be content? <laughs> I haven't been, I haven't had that one yet. I've had the other one a few times, but not the, not the too much. Although travel to other cultures and you in your self-perceived poverty realize that you're rich compared to most of the rest of the world. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every circumstance because my contentment is not circumstantial, it's not material, it's not conditional upon the vicissitudes of the economy. My contentment, Paul says, is based on my relationship with Jesus Christ and that alone, that alone, it's not based, contentment is not based on money, it's not based on house, possessions. It's not based on children, grandchildren, family. It's not based on any of those parameters, though they are all awesome parameters. Your contentment to be genuinely biblical and satisfying is found in Christ alone. The bottom line for this whole thing, whether you want to be, you know, all, all of us have a tilt. Some of us tend to tilt toward negativity. You don't want to raise your hand if you're that cynic, pessimist, always looking at the cloud, not the silver lining. Then there's others of us who are optimistic, hopeful. 
no matter how bad things are, there's always hope. We're kind of wired that way. We, we possess both, but some of us tilt. If you're, if, you're, if you're tilted negatively, you just tell yourself, don't steal, don't steal, don't steal, don't steal. Yeah, how fun are you going to be around? <laughs> Nobody's going to want to hang around with you. And that, and that isn't good news. Don't steal is not good news. What is good news? 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Give cheerfully. Let me suggest this. The next time you're tempted to take something that belongs to somebody else or to take something you shouldn't or to take more than you need, give instead. Yeah, the next time you are tempted to take something that belongs to somebody else, instead give them something and take nothing. What a thought. I wonder what the percentage of people in our nation's prisons are there because they thought they needed something, wanted something, and took in an inappropriate way. Why pirate ships? I've got a lot of ships. I probably had about 40 of them and sold most of them. Why am I using pirate ships this morning? I can't believe this. Look at that. The wind has to blow behind, doesn't it? Unless you know how to beat the wind. Or tack. Why pirate ships? Because pirates are thieves. You know how long pirates lived? If a pirate saw three years, that was longevity. Most of them died, killed within a year. The life of a pirate is short because somebody somewhere is going to track you down and take you out. And I tell you, we have an enemy who prowls to do just that. Why pirate ships? Because there's a little pirate in each one of us. There is something about taking something that doesn't belong. I mean, think about it. You have a cookie jar up on top of the fridge, and that cookie jar is full of cookies. And mom says, don't take any cookies. What are you going to do? You're going to wait for nobody to be around, you hope, and find a chair or a ladder or something and crawl up there. And what are you going to do? You're going to lift the lid as quietly as possible and snatch at least one, maybe two, because you got two hands, maybe three. <laughs> something about prohibitions like that titillate the thief in each one of us. Instead of taking, give. And do it cheerfully, the Apostle Paul says. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and how you communicate with us in our moment of need. We need lots of things. We want lots of things. And sometimes those two get confused. Teach us to know the difference. Teach us, perhaps, to be more concerned about helping others meet their needs than seeking to meet our own. Somehow, your Holy Spirit works in a wonderful way. When, when we help others take care of their needs, somehow ours get taken care of, too. I don't know how that works, but I know it works. 
I ask, Father, that you would meet each person's need according to your will. Bless them that they might be a blessing in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, I, I think that, you got to applaud that. That was great, wasn't it? We're going to pray for Pat and, and, and Barb as they uh, are going to be traveling and moving to uh, South Carolina and as they're getting prepared for that, that trip. I'm going to ask Pat to come stand here and I'm going to come down with him. And anybody who would like to come pray with us up front or you can pray for him in your seat as well. We'd like to send them off and, uh, um, as part of our church. Um, Pat was a part of our church for a long time, still a part of our lives. And uh, with that sermon, I hope he comes back and does some more guest spots for us too. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for, for Pat, for his heart, for his service to you through the years, even in his retirement. Lord, uh, he is serving you. He's looking toward what you, what messages that you have for him to give to others. Lord, we know that uh, Barb has the same heart for you. And Lord, as they prepare to go to South Carolina, we want to send them as part of our church. Lord, we want you to uh, uh, continue to work in their lives. Um, bless them to be a blessing. Lord, uh, Help them to find contentment there and to be able to teach that same contentment to others around them. Lord, we just thank you so much for what he has meant in our lives and that we will hold uh, Pat and Barb up in our prayers often to you. We pray all this in your holy name. Amen. <laughs> 